0: This week on the Lions Stepper Sports Podcast, I'm breaking down all the legit NBA title contenders this season, as well as premiering not one, but two brand new segments that go eh, a little bit off the reservation for me. But first, the drop. Yeah, like that tease, everybody? Off the reservation? What is he talking about? What's on the reservation? He's only made four of these things so far. Why is he speaking 100,000 words a minute? Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's called uh, speed in the form of uh, medication to combat the struggles of ADHD. And uh, what was I talking about? See, ADHD. It, it's a real burden. Uh, <laughs> but no, man, I got two new segments. I teased them last week. I said it was going to be something I was going to try. And uh, I said one wasn't good enough because this is line-stepper sports guy. Man. We got to do better. So I broke out two. And I'm not going to spoil them, but like I said, we're off the reservation right now. We're trying something a little bit different later on. Seeing a new side of Brad. Nobody asked for it. But I'm going to give it to you anyway. And that's the whole point of this website. <laughs> Providing content that nobody asked for. <laughs> um, but first, a little bit, uh, what was the last week of my life like? Well, I'm not going to give you my life story, but uh, I said I was a little bit sick last week. Uh, I got sicker, and then I got better. Lost my voice and got it back. So we're all good, as you can tell. Pumping the water. Pumping the vitamin C. Kept Stuck to the plan. Took some antibiotics. Uh, Mainline some Advil. And we're here. We're ready to go. Um... So nothing really happened, uh, because that was like my whole life for last week, but the NBA All-Star Game did happen, and all the festivities this past weekend. Really, I guess last night, if you're listening to this, when you're supposed to, when it drops Monday morning, a little sip of water. Can't get cotton mouth when I'm spitting these hot information facts. I was going to say bars, but I'm not rapping, I'm just talking to myself in an empty room, as I do. I'm not going to go too in-depth on the NBA All-Star stuff on the podcast because your man has been working on a little column uh, for quite some time now. It's been like off and on two weeks. I've been trying to develop this thing into what I want it to be. Um, But but I'm going to go into the problems of the NBA All-Star game because we had a pretty good one, all things considered, this weekend. I would say, I mean, I have to look at the history of it, but right off the top of my head, this is like the best total weekend I think I've ever seen. But still, it could be it could be way better. There's a lot of problems. And that's what I'm going to go through in the column. So look out for that. Uh, keep it locked. You know how it goes. But like I said, man, it was a good-ass All-Star weekend. And I, I discovered something. And this is definitely true for the NBA stuff. But I imagine it's probably true for any All-Star event you want to pick from any major sport. All it really takes to make this stuff good and entertaining for the fans is the players' giving some measurable amount of effort. That's really it. That's the formula. It's pretty short. Y equals MX plus B. I still remember that. It's like that. It's, it's quite simple. And I couldn't tell you what those letters mean or why they're in that order. Uh, but y- listen, I'm a liberal arts major. You have to forgive me. But you're not listening to this for math. No one's listening to this for math. The only math I'm going to give you is the stats I rip off a of basketball reference. I can't do any math myself. Uh, thank God for calculators. <laughs> um, and I think... That principle, you give effort, you get an entertaining product, was proven out this whole weekend. I, all right, look, it wasn't perfect, of course. They didn't give effort the whole time, not from the beginning of the skills competition to the end of the actual All-Star Game. Did we get maximum grade A tier effort, everybody? We didn't get it, and we're probably never going to get it. But the important thing is, in the times that it mattered this weekend... In the, think about it, the final stages of each individual event on Saturday, the skills competition, I, you know, I, they're lollygagging the whole way through. And then like Reggie Miller and D-Wade are like, if you want to win this, you have to try. And that's very clear and obvious to anybody who's watching it. But even with that information so clear, nobody tries because nobody cares. Nobody wants to catch a piece of acrylic from uh, Taco Bell's regional manager or whoever it is presents that or whoever sponsored it this year. I, used to, I think it actually is still Taco Bell. Nailed it. Gotta love Taco Bell. Serving horse meat since 1985 or whatever. Uh, but still, for the late night. You don't you don't go to Taco Bell for a good meal. You go to Taco Bell because it is a meal. That should be their slogan. That's free. I'll give that away for free, Taco Bell HQ, if you're listening. Which I'm sure you are. Because uh, let's be honest, you work at Taco Bell. It's not like you're <laughs> working on perfecting the burrito here. <laughs> I don't know what you do at that office all day. <laughs> um. Oh wait, I'm going to mute it. i got to call. Now that's professionalism. You didn't hear it, but I just let out a wet cough right there. Uh, but I hit the mute button because professionalism. <laughs> what the hell is I talking about? Oh yeah, every in every individual stage of All Star Saturday Night, and then I'll get to the game in a minute. But on All Star Saturday Night, baby, my nine-year-old me's favorite favorite day of the whole year. Watching that thing still is kind of not you know things knock it off, but you know, 21st birthday, that was pretty good, there's there's things that knock it off the best day of the whole year, but it's still good, I really, legitimately look forward to it, and I feel like an idiot sometimes, because most of the time I watch it, it sucks, but this year was different, because at the end of the skills competition, I'll start with that, they stopped lollygagging, and they started competing, I guess it was Adebayo and Sabonis, I think were the last two guys, and one won, uh, they kick it into high gear a little bit, I mean, at least, high gear by comparison to what i was watching before which is again very low bar to cross pretty low hurdle to jump over in the track but you get it they tried and that was okay wow look at that it was the last second shot he won oh that's entertaining i got like five seconds of joy out of that which is more than the zero seconds of joy i normally get out of it um but then we had the three-point competition which they i like the changes they made to that again i'll go more in depth into this in the comm what they're doing wrong and what a little bit of what they're doing right but i like the mountain dew ball Heavy sponsorship on that. Well done. A round of applause. As a guy who's working on trying to build a marketing campaign for a brand in, in conjunction with a sports uh, broadcast, yeah, it's not easy to do. And they, it worked out quite well. Because I, I knew what it was. I just remember right now. It was the Mountain Dew thing. The bright green ball. The four-point. Or not four points. It's like from four-point range, theoretically. Like regulation if they were going to make one. But it was worth three points in the in the actual contest, I believe. But it was like 30-some feet out. Uh, add, adding those two shots in addition to the tra- traditional five racks, I think added a little wrinkle that made it more interesting. And I like that they added more time too, because so many times I saw Trey Young do it. Trey Young is really becoming the bane of my existence on this podcast. I am—I I didn't plan on this, but I, it sounds like I'm starting a crusade against Trey Young. I don't hate the guy, but again, he, he irked me. He irked me. He put his money ball in the last rack in his only round. He shot because he sucked and he got knocked out right away. Uh, put his money ball on the very last rack and then lollygag the whole way leading up to it. So of course he got there and he had to chuck up the last three shots without even looking at the rim because he was running out of time. You got to be a thinker, man. That's a, that's a red flag. If you're, again, you're trying to build your franchise around this guy, he's going to be the best guy on a title winning team. Red flag. The guy put his, the last rack. He didn't even rush to get there. Not a thinker. As my father would say, I'm quoting my father a lot. He'll, he'll listen to this. He's one of you six people. <laughs> quoting my father, not a thinker, not a thinker. A lot of things, thinker ain't one of them apparently from Trey Young. That's what I'm gathering at least. But I like the three-point contest, man. I like these adjustments they made and especially again, that's that well that's in that's kind of an outlier because you kind of have to try in the three-point contest. It like it, by virtue of competing in it, you have to try. It's not like the skills competition where there's nobody's chasing you with a pack of dogs making you run fast through the zigzag and whatever. Like it, you can really lollygag lollygag through that and no one's going to care because it's kind of the nature of the whole weekend, uh, historically, but the three point contest, you can't get away with lollygagging through that and expect no repercussions. Cause I just laid into Trey Young right there a little bit, a little bit, we'll put the shoulder in him. Uh, but he's not going to hear this (laughs) and neither is anyone in his life, but you get it. It looked bad. So you kind of have to try if you're going to be in that contest, no matter what, uh, but again, at the end, it got dicey. It was between Buddy, uh, Buddy Hill, Devin Booker, and Davis Burtons. Th- however, you say his name, you gotta throw the white guy in there. It's a shooting competition. You gotta one of them's gonna make it. That's that's how it goes. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it we literally went down to the last shot. Buddy Hill had to swish that. It was. He was going to win or he was going to lose, and he made it. And, that, and of course, all the balls leading up to that, you watch a score going up, doing the math in your head as he's taking each shot. How much more does he need? Does he have enough on the board left? Uh, and that was entertaining. So that was a—that was about as good as the three-point competition can get. And then you go slam dunk contest. Now, there's going to be a pri- significant portion of this column talking about the problems of the slam dunk contest. <coughs> judging scores. <clears throat> Sorry, I told you I'm a little bit sick still. Um, so I'm not going to get into that too much here. But, putting all that aside, very entertaining, very entertaining, maybe the best one ever, at least in my lifetime, I didn't see Nick and MJ go back, go at it in the late 80s or any of that, but, you know, the first dunk contest, ironically, the first dunk contest I can really vividly remember is the original Dwight Howard Superman one, which he dusted off the cape like his dusty-ass career and tried to make magic happen, but it was pathetic. And also, weren't no one talked about this, but I don't think, but... Dwight Howard broke out the Kobe number, broke out 24 on the S for his his Superman dunk. See, I didn't like that. What do we know about Kobe Bryant and Dwight Howard's relationship? Dwight Howard was put in a box for the rest of his career, basically, because of Kobe. Called him soft, famously. Called him soft, I think to his face. That's, that's mama mentality right there. God bless the man. Uh, that's why we love him. That's why we'll always love him. But, like, th- uh, that was your ostensible relationship with the guy, and you're just going to break out the 24 in your chest like y- some kind of tribute? I-, I didn't like it. It didn't come off right to me. I- that's Somebody could have done that, Derek Jones Jr., anybody. Any It, it would have actually fit better for, I think, literally any other player in the league. you got a- Pat Beverly's little ass out there trying to do a dunk contest. If he pulled up the 24, it would have made more sense than Dwight Howard. That's the last guy on the list who should ever— have anything to do with Kobe's legacy or his name or the mama mentality, or anything. It just does, it didn't add up based on history and real events. So that put a sour taste in my mouth. And also the, again, I'm not trying to get into the judges and all their problems. They gave him like a 49 or something on that. Basically just because he flashed to 24 and was like, kind of, sort of repping Kobe, I guess. Bad taste in my mouth. Didn't care for that at all. But that was the, going back to my point, <laughs> the OG Superman, uh, dunk contest which is i got probably like nine ten years ago by now that's like the first dunk contest i ever really remember so, like really enjoying and really watching and thinking was great um but this one was really good it was up there despite the result and the reason it got up there is because at the end of the event when it mattered the most the dunk off they're going try hard they're, they're doing what they can and Again, dunk contest is another thing, kind of like the three-point contest. You kind of have to. It's not as it's not as true as it is for the three-point contest, I'd say. But just by virtue of being in the competition, you kind of have to try like some minimum amount that's recognizable. Um, but I would say Dwight Howard really didn't try that much, and you saw the result of that. But, I mean, Connaughton, the guy from the Bucks, he threw out, like, a white man can't jump, like, a reference right away. He had some really good dunks. He, I was impressed by him. He easily easily could have hung with Derrick Jones Jr. and Aaron Gordon, uh, in my opinion. I thought he'd put on a show. The Caucasian Man. Again, I, I, <laughs> it stands out to me, man. It just does. It stands out. And it stands out to everybody. Don't act like you didn't notice. Uh, but it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get canceled. I'm going to get canceled for criticizing white guys. Has that ever happened before? Do people get canceled for criticizing white guys? Oh yeah, no, they don't, because that's not how society works. No, they're sif real quick. Spit a little on myself because I got energy. I'm spitting hot information out here today. But yeah, at the end of it, the dunk off man. They're trying hard. They're they're coming up with stuff on the spot. He dunked over Taco Fall. That wasn't planned. Taco Fall said after the fact he was fearing for his life. That's entertainment. That's what happens when you get the world-class athletes to actually try. God forbid, right? But that's enough about the All-Star game. Well, it's not. Because that's just Saturday night. The All-Star game. The final example of my principle here. In the moments when it mattered, that timeless fourth quarter, no clock on it, just trying to get to the score, 157, they were forced by the event to try as hard as they can, pretty much, or face legitimate ridicule from the public. And I, I guess... The whole problem of the All-Star Game and the Pro Bowl, any one of these events you want to pick, is trying is trying to find the secret sauce of motivating the players to try hard. Obviously, there's like they've tried cash rewards in the past. Uh, This year, they they did like big charity rewards, and I guess that's part of why it worked. But ultimately, that's probably not why we got the competition we got. It's because they're on the court; they're the best players in the world, playing with the best players in the world. And it's like a pride thing. You don't want to lose that. Plus, they got the whole... Half the crowd is like the, the kids who are stand to gain from this money. You don't want to disappoint them. I mean, if I were like Giannis or somebody and I lost this in this close thing, I mean, you could probably break off a, or get with your teammates and break off 300K to make up the difference. Like, I, you know. So it's not really about the money. It's about the spirit of the competition, as cliche as that sounds. But I mean, hey, it worked. You check the evidence for yourself. And I I liked it. I liked the changes they made. I, I Again not trying to ruin the whole column, but I like that they broke it up into the four quarters. And I guess, you know, I don't know if the actual motivation for that was Kobe's tragic death and everything and, uh, you know, adding up the scores and all that, but for whatever reason, it worked. And I hope they continue with it because by breaking, you have this long game and it didn't work. Obviously, the first, second quarters, pretty standard all-star game nonsense, just lobs and all this craziness. Um, But I think there's something to be said for breaking down one four quarter game into essentially four separate one quarter games and and really trying to treat them as contain entities and just putting four of them back to back to back to back got them all um and i didn't think that was going to work i don't think the public perception when they announced that plan was that it was going to work there was a lot of wait how do these rules work what's the the score thing and then they add 24 to the end what how does the charity money gets put up there's a lot of confusion at least in my twitter feed about well what what's going on here how is this going to work but i mean it in the moment, it seemed pretty clear-cut to me, and I, th- yeah, man, it worked out. We got an entertaining All-Star game. That's, like, the har- That's like the rarest thing. You got to use a master ball to catch that, man. That's the hardest thing to achieve in, like, professional sports, is getting an All-Star game to mean anything. But those are my notes from the All-Star weekend. A little Tales from the Couch. Shout out Rosillo. My version. My my dumb version. I, I watched it, actually, in my office chair. So Tales from, Tales from the Desk for your boy. That's not a copyright infringement. Um, But I teased it in the opening, so let's get into it. The NBA title contenders this season, legitimate title contenders. Now, of course, I'm going to go in reverse order, because that is the policy of this website, and really the policy for life. Always add a little drama, add a little spice to your life when when you get the chance. But we're not going in straight orders this time. No, 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 ladies and gentlemen. One, The nine most significant moves of the trade deadline? No, we're not doing that anymore. We're going the tier system, the superior rating system. Do this for fantasy football, do this for, that's the only example I can think of, but you get it. Tiers are superior. When you put things in specific order one after another, you're not leaving room to represent the nuance of, okay, yeah two is better than three, which is better than four, but then you go to five, and there's a big difference between those two, three, and four, and then five. You, you got to have that extra representativeness to show, to paint a clearer picture of what exactly it is you're trying to say about a group of anything. So I broke it down into three tiers, the tier system, and I'm not going third tier, second tier, first tier. No, 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 we're getting creative. This is Lion of Sports, people. I'm breaking out the comedy writing abilities so the first tier the bottom tier the bottom bitches if you were is that all right i'm confused on this sidetrack i've heard bottom bitch as uh like a term to, to describe like you're like the per like the like a person you like like that is most important to you that you care about the most but the term is bottom bitch so why why would it be bottom if you, if you care about them the most it doesn't make any sense the bottom tier. These are called the puncher's chance. The puncher's chance tier. And what that means is... I mean, they, I mean, mathematically, I suppose they have a chance of winning the title. But it's, bas- it's about as good as me going in the ring with a professional boxer and just closing my eyes and swinging. And hey, maybe I'll catch him on the chin. Who knows? That's the kind of chance they have in this league. Which is honestly... There's more teams in these tiers than I would... If I was going to make this list the last uh, five, six years of NBA seasons there would probably be probably be half the amount of total teams. So these teams, uh, because the league is more wide open right now, we don't have the Golden State juggernaut of the past half decade to, to contend with. So it opens things up a little bit more. But these are the puncher's chance teams. There are five of them. First, the Pacers. I, these kind of go together. We don't need to spend much time. The Pacers, I'll put them in there. I'll give them a shot. They're sixth in the, East, in the Eastern Conference currently. The Heat, fourth in the Eastern Conference, a little bit better, but still kind of on, on that level. Uh, and the Jazz, which are fourth in the West. Now, those are just three of the five total teams. But those three teams—Pacers, Heat, Jazz—I group them together because their case, They're the they're the best case scenario that could manifest itself in which they could somehow end up with the title this year. And it looks pretty similar for all three of them. It's basically shout out to team basketball and solid coaching. That's what they got. They don't. None of them have any superstars uh, that are good enough. They're, again, my my trope. Uh, that I keep mentioning, good enough to be the best player on a championship-quality team. They don't really have that guy. None of them. Pacers, Heat, Jazz. But uh, just by virtue of team basketball, they're strong in the regular season. Pacers, in their case, getting stronger. Jazz also getting much stronger after a really rough start with Conley looking like a dead man walking. It's still kind of looking like a dead man walking, but better. they're, They're figuring it out a little bit more. Those teams are relying on that kind of consistency, familiarity, chemistry, fundamental basketball to try to have any chance of winning and what they would need to happen is for some reason have that reign supreme and probably get lucky with some injuries and some other matchups they might have drink break i gotta keep the mouth wet so i can keep spitting this ice cold information is it red hot information or ice cold ice cold's more po more like in your face like it's sticking around you you really feel it but obviously the red hot is like oh this is hot off the presses i don't know pick whatever metaphor floats your boat the next team puncher's chance and this is in. i'm not putting these in order these are all these are all in the tiers again the tier system baby the superior way of ranking uh saying that as a guy who's now done two things for this website where he just did a direct number system but listen tier system i'm, I'm sticking with it the nuggets are another team in that same puncher's chance tier now they're second in the western conference right now that's legit And they're not in the little grouping I made of the Pacers, and Jazz, because their best-case scenario for uh, creating an actual path to a title looks different than those other teams. They do have a team basketball thing going on. They are well-coached, but you need some more specific things. You would need Jamal Murray to hit a real new level that we haven't really seen from him before. He's actually shown some really nice flashes in the playoffs uh, last couple years. But uh, he would need to hit that consistently and then some. Because he's going to have to be the second best player on that team if they want to win a title. And which brings me on to my next point. Jokic has to go pretty dumb. He's got to play all-NBA first-team level ball uh, throughout the playoffs if they want to have a chance. And then on top of that, that's probably not even enough. Even with Murray hitting a new level, even with Jokic playing like the best center in the league, you would need some real diamonds in the rough coming out of that supporting cast. Uh, quite unexpectedly, if you're going to have a shot. So again, these are puncher's chances. Not a real shot, but I'll, I'll just giving them props. Worth mentioning, I'd say. The last puncher's chance team is the Rockets. Now, they're fifth in the West, and I talked all about them last week with the Roco deal and how they just abandoned the center position and how intriguing that may be. Uh, it's probably pretty silly if you're trying to win a title, especially with the matchups they have to contend with. But their case is... They go all in on this strategy and it works. The three ball analytics hit the jackpot. They just start raining on everybody. And I theoretically it wouldn't have to be every game. They can have an off. They could have like two off games, a series, maybe even if they, if, and still beat these teams, if they, cause again, the Rockets are a weird, weird team. They're not, there's some similarities to Syracuse basketball, which is another sports entity that takes years off my life on a regular basis. Like the Sixers, which we'll talk about later. Uh, the Rockets are trying this weird thing. And because it's a weird thing, and it's never, let alone, let alone this season, never been seen really in league history before uh, to this magnitude. It's a different look. Now, when you have a series against somebody, potentially seven straight games against the same team, you're going to catch on some patterns and you're probably going to be able to shut down the one trick pony stuff, which is kind of their whole team now. But I mean, hey, maybe they they can have a reverse of game six of the 2017. Yeah, I think it was 2017 or 2016. Game 6 of the 2016 or 2017 Western Conference Finals, when they missed all those three-pointers, they can hit the inverse of that and drop like 20 threes a game on some of these playoff games, which theoretically could happen. That's kind of what they're banking on at this point with this roster, uh, the way it's constructed. They could beat anybody in a single game. Theoretically. They could beat the Clippers, they could beat the Lakers, they could beat the Bucks in the finals in a matchup if they rain all those threes magically. But chances are, It's not going to happen. But if they were to have any playoff success, that would be their path to it. Those are the puncher's chance teams, all five of them. The Pacers, the Heat, the Jazz, the Nuggets, and the Rockets. Puncher's chance. Shout out. Yeah, you don't really have a shot, but I'll give you a little head nod. A little head nod on the screen. walking by. A head nod. A little respect. The next tier I'm calling the probation tier because they are on crime watch. They have a criminal record, and they're poised to strike again. And I say that because these three teams... If they were to win a title, they have a better chance than the puncher's chance, guys. But still, if they were to win one, it would feel like they were stealing it. feel like they were getting a little sneaky. Swiper the Fox out here, and not uh, De'Aaron Fox's Twitter handle. I'm talking the Dora character. That's a deep cut. (laughs) Let me move this mic so I can lay out these papers. I got that paper! Not the one you can spend on stuff, but the stuff uh, you can write on and then talk to yourself in an empty room, as I keep harping on. they would be stealing. And you'll see what I mean. The first team, the first probation team, crime watch, whatever you want to call it, is the Raptors. Now, they are currently the second team in the East. And they're the reigning champions. Quite. Who could forget that wonderful finals where uh, Katie and Clay Thompson uh, lost whole seasons of their career as a result. Whatever. (laughs) And they beat us in the second round on that ridiculous shot. again, Why is it every time I talk about basketball, it always comes around on the Sixers? You know, this is another thing about the Sixers. Say what you want about them. The most interesting team of the last decade in the NBA. Maybe in all of sports, just for pure shock value, crazy moves, ridiculous stories, nonsense, in the rookie thing, the draft, the Sam Hickey, the tanking. No, no I don't think any team can match up to the just absurdity that they pumped out. So yeah, every time I talk about basketball, it comes around to them because they're just oh so interesting and never for the right reasons. But every time I talk about them, it just makes me sad. So I'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But yeah, the Raptors are second in these. They have the experience. I mean, they don't have Kawhi. Yeah, obviously. But the rest of their roster pretty much was there for that whole run. They lived through it. They played all those games. They watched what happened. Siak, Siakam became a legit guy. Through that, through that final season, and he's that finals run, and he's carried it into this regular season pretty successfully. All-star starter, for God's sake. So they have that experience. They have that professionalism. They're just a perfect They strike me as a professional team. They're just about their business. They don't mess around. They win the games they're supposed to win. And that, again, Sixers, not a team that does that. So I really value that in a team like the Raptors. They do what they're supposed to do. And I think that gives them a shot. But... I don't think it gives them enough of a shot because, again, we're talking about a title. We're not talking about coming out of the East and, hey, maybe they stifle Giannis in the Eastern Conference Finals again, but then they go to the finals, probably get clapped by the Clippers or the Lakers or whatever, uh, if it gets to that point. So they need a little bit more than just the tried-and-true professionalism and experience that they gain over one season. And, you know, they're a deep team, too. Obviously, they got guys all over the place who just kind of know how to play, the Van Vliettes of the world and everything. I think beyond that, you need the guy who's the guy who's like the automatic bid for finals MVP on that kind of team we don't see these kind of team basketball teams win titles normally I think little, go back to like I don't know the, the early 2000s Pistons like in the Palace I was I forgot what it was called but yeah that's where Ron Artest beat up a bunch of fans the Palace like back at you know Chauncey Billups Rip Hamilton Tayshaun Prince, Taishon Prince. That, that 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 was like the last team that kind of didn't have like a main guy but won a title that was like oh three or whatever so you need a guy who's your guy who's your guy oh siakam has to be the guy and he's really good he's been awesome but he's not at that level yet not the trope baby the best player on a championship quality team he's not there right now now maybe he could get there maybe he has that in him but he would have to do it and prove it if they wanted to go on a run and win and win the title you get the paper flip. Look at that. Sound effects. Again, you don't know if I'm putting it in post or if this is real life. How technically savvy is he? Is he just leading us on with his idiocy and his babbling? Does he really know how to use audio software? Ah, barely. <laughs> the next team, on probation right now, under the watchful eyes of the law, should they try to steal a title? The Celtics. My The lovely Celtics. Oh, I just love talking about them. They're third in the East right now. Um, and their, their path, again, looks a little bit different. They need a couple more things to happen um, than the Raptors. The Raptors are a little bit better poised. But they're still in the same tier. Again, tier system, baby. Roughly the same chance here. They need Kemba to have his best playoff run since... Man, the guy played in Charlotte for like his whole career. So he didn't really have any playoff runs. I guess go back to UConn when he was in college. Not even in the big NCAA tournament, in the Big East tournament. If y'all remember that. When UConn went on that run and got, got the bid, that dirty step, one of the all-time highlight plays, the dirty step back against that big guy on pit, broke his ankles, buzzer beater. Oh, it's gorgeous. Just look it up. It's amazing. one of my favorite highlights. Sucks he's a Celtic. <laughs> Kemba would have to have that quality of like playoff game, which again, I got to dig all the way back to college and not even the big college tournament to find a, a time where he was playing at that level in games that mattered. So he lacks experience. Again, he's like one of the really one of the elder statesmen on that Celtics team, but he lacks the playoff experience compared to even Tatum and Brown and all those guys just from that run pre Kyrie, which is another thing. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and really Brad Stevens, too, would have to successfully recapture that magic that they had in a bottle for seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals uh, against LeBron's Cavs uh, the year before the Kyrie bomb hit them. Because they, they really haven't been the same ever since. Um, and they're having a better season now. And they seem to be putting together the pieces. But they would have to really carry that magic into the playoffs again if they want to get a shot. And that's in conjunction with Kemba doing something we've never seen before from him. And another thing, on top of those two, you need Gordon Hayward to return to, like, his 2016 form. And shout out to Hayward. He's quietly getting back to where he was right now in the regular season. Quite quietly. No one's really talking about it. But he's looking a lot better. Still not where he was. Understandable. Man's leg pretty much exploded like he stepped in a landmine. Uh, But on opening night, no less. God, that was a crazy event when it happened. But you need him to really get back to a high, high level. In conjunction with Kemba going crazy. In conjunction with Tatum Brown and the whole system uh, reacquainting itself with success. You need all that. And you could get it, potentially. But that's their path. They'd still be stealing the title. They're still on crime watch. It still would feel like they took something that wasn't really theirs, um, in the second tier here. But it's possible, and that's how they would do it. <sighs> okay, I guess I have to talk about this now. I said I said the Raptors have like a couple things that they would need to do. Not easy, but it's just a couple things. Celtics have a couple more things they need to do. Now we get into the Sixers. The Sixers, my favorite team to watch and talk about. Drink, break, before, and really, I should have alcohol for this segment. My God. But a sip of water will have to do. The Sixers are another team that would certainly feel like they're stealing a title. Ergo, they're in the probation tier of teams that are contending. Now, I I wrote in parentheses after every team name where they rank right now because we're like 53, 54 games into the season. You you know what you are. You kind of are what you are at this point across the league um (laughs) so I I put the I put where each team is in their respective conference you know Celtics are third in the east Raptors are second in the east the Sixers I wrote Sixers and then in parentheses almost inexplicably fifth in the east because it feels inexplicable but then you remember oh no there actually is some decent explanations and that is what I laid into last week in my opinion, the coaching, can't figure out the spacing, yeah, guys are lazy, or lazy slash stupid, I'm not sure which one is better or worse, it, there's a lot of problems, there's a lot of problems. <sighs> so I'll start the laundry list here of things that have to occur in order for the Sixers to steal a championship this year. Embiid, dot, 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 that's one, that's one bullet point, because there's two things you need from Embiid. First of all, he has to miraculously not get hurt, throughout basically the whole playoff run i don't think he if they're gonna win the title they're gonna win it he pretty much can't get hurt at all because kind of lost in the tumbleweeds of the Kawhi shot in the sixers raptors series in the second round last year the playoffs was uh and before that even in the first round against brooklyn and beads just whole every single night you're like is he gonna play he's like i don't know and brett brown's like "Eh, i don't know (laughs) nobody knows if the guy's going to play on a given night, even the same day of the game. It's just, first of all, obviously if he's not playing, then that's a whole, well, you don't have him. He's supposed to be the best player on this team, so that's not good. But then it's just the uncertainty. And then even if he is playing, it's like, well, is he on a minutes restriction? You got to worry about how much you're playing. It's like, oh my God, the guy is such a headache. You can't have, you got to remove all of that. And again, we're asking for a lot. I told you it's a laundry list of things that have to happen for the Sixers to legit win the title this year. But if that if they're gonna do that, Embiid can't have any of that going on. You just can't. It just it's a distraction at, at, at the best. And at the worst, you're missing your superstar, the guy on your team who is good enough at when he's at his best to be the best player in a championship team. Can't get hurt. And then, second of all with Embiid. He has to play his best ball. It's not enough that he's out there. Because as we've seen this season, just because he's out there doesn't mean he's playing well. He's playing like trash most of the time. Again, he's lazy, whatever. He's standing 30 feet from the basket. That makes a ton of sense. Now, that's probably on Brett Brown. But if you're Joel Embiid, don't you just feel more comfortable underneath the basket? Isn't that where you do all your practicing? Or God knows what they do with the... That that center on the Camden River where they do their practices. Maybe he is just draining. He's trying to take forty footers all practice, and it's closed doors, and nobody has any idea. And the reporters are afraid to report on it because they'll lose their access. Or yeah, I'll get I'll get conspiracy theory with you because it 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 it's that level of not making sense. It's like we're gonna get into like uh, the Zapruder film, trying to figure out who shot JFK. You have it's that level of craziness that you have to do the mental gymnastics to try to come up with a legitimate reason for why why he's doing these things. But okay. So Embiid can't get hurt at all, pretty much. And he has to play just about peak level Embiid basketball. Which, when it's there, it's awesome. He is the best big man in the league, when seemingly when he feels like it, or when the offensive scheme allows him to be, when those two things coincide. When the the stars on the belt of Orion align and everything works out, he is the best big man in the league. But he's going to have to play like that if they want to win the title. That's literally all that is just about Embiid, what he has to do to give him a shot. Tobias Harris, the very expensive Tobias Harris, he has to get to a new level. I mentioned we haven't seen Kemba do really anything of any consequence in the playoffs since UConn. Tobias Harris has never done anything of any consequence in any playoffs, in any level as far as I can tell. So he has to show us something he really has never done before. And it's weird, because you would think with four theoretical all-star caliber players on your, in your starting five... You would think that okay, well, if one or two of them doesn't have, even two of them doesn't have a great game, the other, you know, you still have these other guys who can go ham and make up for those losses, right? That's not the way the Sixers have been playing, man. Harris has to has to he's got to get it done. And really, for him, what that means is running a simple pick and roll and making mostly open three pointers. If he can do that, that for so again, low bar, baby. That con- that literally constitutes him going up to a new level and doing the things necessary to help them win a title. So you need to see Harris go up to a new level. Al Horford, the Reverend Al Horford, the, the institution Al Horford, he has to start playing like he's making $28 million this year to be essentially this weird, mostly redundant glue guy that he's turned into now, and beat insurance and insurance poli- insurance policy. <laughs> this is such a weird, stupid team, man. Oh my God. But he's gotta he's gotta get it together. He's gotta get it together. He's looking this old and out of it at this at in the first year of this contract. My God, I can't imagine down the line. He's making he's gonna be making like 30 million when he's 36. I don't wanna get depressed. Uh <laughs> or any more than I already am talking about this. But Horford's just gotta get it together. Horford is the guy who can afford to play the worst out of that big four and still have the team be successful. But he's just gotta give you he's gotta give you that in-between stuff. He's gotta be like the tall, odd-looking Draymond Green to this team if, if they're going to be successful. He doesn't have to drop 25, you know, doesn't have to put up a double-double, uh, like 20 and 10, but he's got to give you stuff. And really where he's going to help, uh, hopefully the most, is defensively, especially if they end up in a series against the Bucks, and they have to stifle Giannis, which I'll get to the Bucks later. So you need some stuff from Horford. Simmons, Ben Simmons. Oh, how much time do I want to spend on this? Look, I'm not going to get into the shooting thing again. The term is aggressive. Ben Simmons has to be aggressive offensively for them, for the Sixers to have a shot at winning this title. And that's in conjunction with Embiid things, Harris, Horford, all that stuff I mentioned already. And a couple more I have yet to mention. Simmons has to be aggressive. He has to be an offensive threat. You can't, I mean, again, they're going to sag off him 15 feet. I guess we just have to accept that as a fact of life now. But he's still been able to find success when he feels like it, even with all the caveats they put on him on defense laughing at him in the in the film room no doubt before every single game just like how far do you want to play off him today i'm thinking 15 i'm thinking 20 i'm thinking 25 i'll stand under the hoop it don't matter man won't shoot <laughs> he's got to be aggressive on offense and he's proven he can still do that even with no jump shot m- magically so it's literally a ment- it's literally a decision he has to make the thing ben simmons really has to do to help him win is a decision a conscious decision god forbid and oh yeah, all those things I mentioned so far, none of them can create these re- impossible spacing situations that have plagued them this whole season. You need to magically have all those, all those four guys get their stuff together and then have none of it mess up schematically. Which, again, another thing, Brett Brown has to put the right guys in the right spots at the right times. He has to be a good coach in the playoffs, as much as it pains me to say. It's, it's really, I it might actually be now be more important than it ever has been before, that Brett Brown knows what he's doing. And God, that's a scary thing to say. But that's six things. The Embiid stuff, the Harris stuff, the Horvath stuff, the Simmons stuff. None of them can create spacing problems. And Brett Brown has to be good. That's six things that need to happen for them to win. So again, probation, man. The probation tier. They're stealing a title if they're winning one. Because they're really not supposed to. And another... Not even... Off, off, off paper here? The Sixers more than any team that I'm going to talk about or have talked about already. This is this this season, the result of this season is more important for them than it is for any other team, I think. Cuz you're st- they're they're bought in with these guys. They're going to have to really get creative if they want to dump Harris or especially Horford and try to retool this team or rebuild this team. You know, whatever you think about whether or not they should trade Embiid or Simmons. That stuff is going to get talked about seriously if they don't start making stuff happen in the playoffs. It just is. We just accept it. At the very least, Brett Brown's probably gone if they don't at least make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Although it should be the Finals, but if they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, they'll probably give them the job because they just love this guy. (sighs) This is a really, really important season for them. And they're still not in the top tier. And that top tier is called the Apex Predators because these are the guys... These are the teams, three teams, the peak of their powers right now. And there's in again, no Warriors, no shoe-ins, no team that quote unquote should win the title. But these are the three teams that come the closest to that title, to that level. Not not should win, but if they won, you're not that surprised. Because this is this is them hitting their stride. They've been building up to this. This is this is if it's gonna happen for them, this is probably about the time when it's gonna happen. The first team of the Apex Predators. The Bucs, the first team in the Eastern Conference, and the first team in the whole league, really, record-wise, like a 12-point point point differential, unprecedented. They're killing these teams in the regular season, just killing them. So what's their path to winning a title this year? Again, it it falls on Giannis. It really does. So you need him to not run into a defensive wall like what the Raptors put up against him in the Eastern Conference Finals last season. and just They've got two games up on the Raptors, and then they just got stifled, and lost the next four consecutively after that i believe water break oh, dry mouth man oh, that's a lot of water i hope i don't have to piss in the middle of this but if i do i'm gonna take this mic to the bathroom because that's what we do line stepper that's a line stepper move you don't you know, pause it and come back no no no, i'm bringing the mic with me i've actually been waiting for that to happen because i think it would be a funny idea <laughs> to pull off but i'm not gonna force you can't force it you can't force anything it's got to happen naturally Oh, yeah, the Bucks. Uh Giannis can't run into a defensive wall. He's got to... And it wasn't just that he got stifled. That's why they lost that series so suddenly. It was because the other thing that has to happen for them to win the title this year. You need that supporting cast to do what they're being asked of, which is really make open shots once the defense doubles and collapses on Giannis in the paint, and he dishes it out, and you got a shot with no man for eight feet around you. Can you make it, or are you going to miss it? That's going to define again probably whether they're going to be able to win a, a title this year and a little side note chris middleton's got to step up i wasn't wasn't doing it for me last year in the playoffs although still did good enough to earn that max contract for whatever reason but he's got to step up he's got to really be a legit number two type of guy if they want to win the title because as great as Giannis is and as awesome as he is it's really hard to win a title all by yourself It almost never happens lebron tried it tried his damnedest in cleveland couldn't quite get it done and that's LeBron so big ass. you got to do better you got to do better if you're the Bucs and they retooled I mean they lost Brogdon but I mean they seem to be I mean again they're killing in the regular season they're dominating these teams of course we know how different regular season ball is from playoff ball but uh I'm a little bit weary the Bucs I got to be honest I don't trust them because I look at again as messed up as the Sixers are they're pretty much built to defend him and only him and beat them if they get them in a playoff matchup and if that happens, that's I'm worried about that if I'm the Bucs. As again, as ridiculously messed up as the Sixers are. A little bit worried if I'm the Bucs. And obviously the Raptors figured out how to do it last year. I mean they don't they did it with Kawhi, but maybe Siakam steps up into that role. He's got more size anyway. Little little hesitant on the Bucks automatic bid through the East. But the next Apex Predator, you can tell who the next two are gonna be. First I'll go I'll go with the Clippers first. Right now they're third in the Western Conference because uh well, really, because of the reason because of the thing they have to change if they're going to win the title, Kawhi and Paul George have to have to effectively flip this metaphorical switch that they've pretty much been passively alluding to all season. Because the, the only reason why they're not more successful in the West is just yeah, they're not yeah, they're not into it. Yeah, it's hard to get out of bed for it for them. And I get it. This is basically what Kawhi did last season. I, I mean, he played him less games last season. He's going to play this season. And he, you know use the rest to put the Raptors on his back and take him to a title. So it can work. It can work. He's literally done it before, but they're, they're going to have to do it. They're going to have to prove they can do it. It's, it's not always as easy as it seems to flip that switch. The Warriors had trouble with it a couple times. Easier said than done. So they're going to have to 100% flip that switch in these playoffs if they want to get it. And like I talked about last week, they're going to have to find a way to get around this center problem. The Zubac is not going to cut it. Uh, and especially if they're mashed up with Anthony Davis or Jokic or even like Gobert on the Jazz in one of the earlier rounds, it's going to create some, some problems. So they got to find a way to get around that. And it's going to hurt them, but you got to mitigate it. You got to stop the bleeding, make sure it doesn't hurt you too bad. I guess Doc, Doc Rivers have to come up with something. But if they can do that, flip the switch, mitigate the damage at the center position, they get a real shot to win. Almost as much, well, again, this is the tears. They're all got equal, relatively equal chances. The Lakers are the last apex predator team and they're first in the Western conference right now. What do they need to win? Now they are still uh, a much less complete team than the Clippers or I mean, it's, it, it might even be a battle between the Lakers supporting cast and the Bucks second cast. I'm not even sure how those two stack up. And as much as I trash the Bucks, it's a two man team. It's LeBron and AD that much has been clear this whole season. And it's, Been effective in the regular season. I thought of the two teams, the Clippers and the Lakers, I thought they both were going to really josh around the whole regular season because what's the benefit? But uh, I would have thought the Lakers would have really put the brakes on things and fallen into like a four seed and then, then really tried to flip the switch. But no, they've killed it the regular season. First team. First in the conference, like I said. But that's been demanding of LeBron, NAD, so far. That's because they're trying in the regular season in a way I didn't think, and I, most people didn't really think they would because, again, what's the benefit? You're not going for the President's Cup, to use a hockey term. You're trying to win the Larry O'Brien, baby. So two things need to happen, or actually continue to happen, for the Lakers to capture this title right now, which, again, they're apex predators. They, they're built to do this right now. LeBron has to continue to be... Borderline immortal as far as the minutes he's played and the wear and tear that should be on his body, theoretically, but yet isn't because he's still, and he's put, you know, he's not playing as hard this year, but he's still getting minutes. He's, I mean, those assists, assist numbers can't they come from minutes. He's still playing, even if he's not going hard 100% of the time. He, I, can he do it again? Another full deep playoff run? I, I guess. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say he can't, but eventually, I mean, we're gonna, this, this is happening to Tom Brady. That's another, that's probably the best parallel that. Is out there right now, the aging ultra super megastar. He's having his day, and eventually it's gonna come for LeBron too. But so far it doesn't look like it's this year, but uh it, you know, you always gotta watch out for that. So he's gotta continue his immortal streak. And the other thing, Anthony Davis has to continue playing the way he's playing. And maybe even kick it up another notch, because he's got to prove he's got. This is his chance. This is his year. You're not on the Pelicans anymore. You finally made it to LA after all the bitching and complaining. You got there. You, not only that, you got LeBron with you. This is your time to shine. Show us. You got to prove that you are that good. You are this generational big man. This is your chance. The numbers are all there. The regular season's awesome. The highlights are there. Everything. But that's when you're going to show people something that they can remember in a playoff run. And that's what they got to do. LeBron's got to be immortal, and AD's got to go to that next level and show everybody what's up. So those are your NBA title contender tiers. The puncher's chances, the probations, and the apex predators. And now, as I tease so eloquently, we're only 48 minutes in, everybody. Uh, You didn't have to wait that long. (laughs) Two segments. Now, the first segment, we're going off sports. We're off the reservation pretty much now. This really doesn't have anything to do with sports. But I'm expanding the horizons because what is Line Stepper Sports if not me and uh, my personality? That's the only thing I'm bringing to the table. I don't have money. I'm not flying out to interview people. Uh, it's been well documented that uh, I don't have a budget for this thing. <laughs> so the first segment, and these are going to be recurring. I don't know how often. Probably not weekly. Uh, but yeah, I'll bring it back every once in a while once I want to dust them off. It's called Brad's Bag. That's what we're doing. Now, don't take that the wrong way. It's Brad's Bag. It is the segment where I open up my bag of emotions, uh, feelings. I just want to talk about my feelings, man. No. But basically, this is where I'm just, I'm just calling it Brad's Bag. Because I'm in my bag, right? I'm in my bag on it, man. I'm just talking about what I want to talk about. The things in my life. The things I see. The things I feel. I'm getting real with you. I'm keeping it real. That's, again, one of the very few marketable premises of this whole damn website. I killed Valentine's Day. I killed it this year. You know why? Because I didn't look at social media at all. I didn't do anything. I didn't open Instagram. I didn't, again, I was like kind of like sick or whatever. So, I mean, it was easier for me, but I didn't do anything. You know what? Here's what we're going to do. It's Brad's bag. I'm putting my feet up. I'm putting my, you know, we're we're leaning back here. We're getting, we're getting a little casual, but this is Brad's bag. Valentine's Day, man. It was a thing that happened. Uh, A lot of people probably enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it, too, because, like, yeah, I didn't look. I didn't partake. I didn't, uh... Oh, yeah, if you can tell already, I'm, I'm single. Uh, you know, I you know, it might be shocking to some of you. Although, everyone who listens to this already knows me in real life, so they already know that that's uh, not only a distinct possibility, but a distinct reality. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It, it, it was like any other day to me. Because, you know, everyone... I, I guess it's just popular. You know, Valentine's Day has become at least on social media, in my experience, it's just become a day for single people to complain about being single, or just, like, make sad memes, or whatever, uh, but I didn't partake, because I was off social media, so it was just like any other day to me, so I enjoyed it, I had a fine time, but, you know, I'm chilling, uh, I was catching up with some of my buddies over Xbox chat, again, you wonder why I'm single, uh, you're not wondering, I'm wondering, <laughs> yeah, chatting with my, my buddies from home, man, over Xbox, you know, catching up, doing that, and uh, we're talking about it. And they're, you know, all over social media. They're like meme addicts, just like everyone else in my generation. <laughs> so they were talking about, like, I mean, they weren't depressed over it or anything, but it's it's kind of a drag. It's That's what I was getting from them. Just because, you know, you go to the gram, you see all the happy couples, and it doesn't, like, again, no one's depressed over it. No one's, like, sitting in bed all day, like, oh, why can't I, have someone? why won't anyone love me? No one's doing that, but it's just another... Little bump that social media media can give you to kind of make you unsatisfied with where you are in your own life, and not, not even jealous, but just just not happy. Just you're 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 up here. At a, I mean, I'm doing visual gestures for an audio medium. My God, what am I doing? You're feeling good. You're feeling all right. feel you know most most times most people feel all right about themselves, but then you see something like that, and you're like, yeah, it just takes me down a little bit, just a little bit, and. Uh, uh, this isn't really the Brad's bag segment. Is not this one's not really about Valentine's Day in particular. It's about social media in general. But Valentine's Day was just the recent primer that put this reminded me of all this. Social media is people at their best. Nobody posts something on Instagram like uh, I made a I was sad today. I got a bad grade, uh, so I made a bowl of mac and cheese and I ate it as I watched the. YouTube, TikTok compilations. No one's doing. No one's putting that on Instagram because nobody's trying to hear that. That's not what it is. The whole fundamental point of social media, at its core, really any platform you want to pick. Is, I think Instagram is probably the worst offender of this, at least to me. Uh, the whole premise, the whole point, is that you're you're showing people you at your best, and you're you're kind of you're you're kind of marketing yourself. It's almost like uh, you're you're put you're preparing for an interview that's never gonna happen. You're just putting out all this information about yourself to uh, give a per- create a perception of you. So you know when you're not right in front of people. Uh, you when you enter their mind, uh, you're this is the context in which they see you, and it's, so you want it to be good. Of course, you want it to be good. I mean, it makes logical sense. It's not a problem. It's not bad that people do that. But understand, that's what they're doing. Social media is not real. It's not. It's not based in reality. It, it, again you're seeing people at your best you have to, it's and it's tough man i mean i struggle with it definitely i can only really look at instagram probably max like two times a week before i legit just start to feel kind of depressed by it because you're just scrolling through and i don't follow like a lot of meme accounts because i just don't i don't even i don't have time for that i don't even i don't want to have time for that so everyone i follow is like people i know in real life so people i've connected with in one way or another either recently or long ago so it's, and it's people at their best, so it's just, oh, that guy said, oh, that guy went hiking, oh, that guy went on vacation, oh, that guy's at the beach, oh, that's, uh, chicks are even worse, chicks are, chicks know how to do it, man, I suck at this, I've had to ask, like, female friends, like, what's a, like, what is proper Instagram, like, composition, like, should I, is this post worthy, and I've learned from them, because, uh, I guess if you're a woman, in, God, it, it's, it must be horrible to be a woman in today's society on that front, because you're, you're not, I mean, I can step away from it and it's not like breaking down my door, but I imagine if, if you're like a girl my age, you're just, it's, you're bombarded with it all the time and the pressure to partake in it and join the wave is so, it must be so much more. So I'm glad for that, but that, I guess that creates some level of expertise. So that's where I have gotten my expertise and you can look at my Instagram page. It's nothing special. It's not even good. It's probably subpar definitely still part of the follower follower department which was just a whole other thing we're just attaching self-worth to a a number on a screen which is not to get philosophical and hey man but you know that's not good i think everyone knows that's not good but that's what it is I, and you try i try to ch- i'm speaking for myself i guess i try to channel you know scrolling through the feed uh and like feeling bad about my life <laughs> I try to channel that. I'm like, all right, don't get sad about it. Get motivated by it, and use this feeling to make your, to make you want to be better, do more stuff. Have, have a more active, interesting life, where you know you're doing stuff. But then it's like, oh, am I just gonna, am I just gonna do stuff so I can post it on Instagram so like a hundred people can see it, like, and a hundred can, or ninety can like it? <laughs> My numbers are better than that. Please, I'm a triple digit guy. Come on now, I'm not a, I'm not a total peasant out here. <laughs> See, even just now, I feel the need to defend myself to nobody because I'm like, oh, I'm not, I don't have like a uh, double digit likes, guys. Uh, people, people know I exist. People care about me. Uh, you know, that's it's it's just it's ever present and it is a problem. And I try to be better at it. Like I say, you try to you, you turn that sadness into like a little, uh, in a little extra motivation. But it's not easy. It's not easy to do, because you don't want to be just chasing that, because you're never going to capture it. It's just. On to the next thing. On to the next thing. Although, I mean, it is worth mentioning. This is a really bad way to be as a person when you're trying to grow an online brand from nothing. <laughs> uh, it would probably help if I was a real social media Hoa! but I'm not. So I'm I'm trying to get more into it to help this whole thing, which in turn helps my like life in general. Um, but it's hard for me because it's not. I don't. I don't. I don't get quick returns on it. I just look at it and then. You know, as much as I tell myself this is not real, it's not, it's not a representative, accurately—that's the word—it's not really representative of people in ninety-nine point nine percent of their minute-to-minute lives. But it's—it still just kind of sucks, and uh, I don't like it. But I better—I mean, I, hey, I better like it. I better learn to like it, because that's what you got to do. So those are some—that that's Brad's bag. That's Brad's bag right there. I opened my bag, I revealed my feelings. And uh, no one's gonna comment anything because nobody comment nobody comments on this thing. That's the safety in having a single-digit audience because <laughs> who's gonna hear it? <laughs> but it's good. That's just that's just how I feel about it. And like like I said, Valentine's Day is just the catalyst for just the latest example that popped up in my life of like, oh god, social media is just, just sucks. But I mean it's a fact of life. You gotta do it. But I'll end with one more segment, another new segment. I'm still keeping my Fee kicked up for this. And we're going along in the pot today, because i got a lot to say. That's a bar. You can keep that for your cypher. This segment is called Some Thoughts. Very original name. There's no alliteration like Brad's bag, as much as I tried. And it's called Some Thoughts, because it's just some thoughts that I have on some things that are not sports-related, but, uh, you know, you live life, you think about things. And uh on one of those things, I recorded them. And I, I almost taught Broke out this segment last week, but I saw it was getting pretty long, and I was sick and tired, so I didn't feel like doing it. Uh, plus, I hadn't really fully developed what I wanted to say yet. But a uh, little bit of old news in some thoughts in this edition. Uh, the Oscars were not yesterday Sunday, but the Sunday before that. And uh, I don't, want didn't really watch them because a it's like a four hour broadcast or something, and like who I don't, I can barely go see the movies I want to see, let alone know know much about uh, no anything substantive, really, about the movies that get all these awards, so it doesn't pertain that much to me, although I am interested in the industry in general, (laughs) beside the point. Joaquin Phoenix uh, was in that movie Joker, the, like, seventh iteration of that character, whatever, and just like every iteration of that character, won uh, the Oscar for Best Actor, because apparently he killed it, Uh, some of my buddies saw it, they loved it, they loved it, but he did a thing, he did the typical Hollywood thing, he made the whole speech and he's getting up there. He's like, oh, thanks for the award, whatever. But then pretty quickly breaks into like, just talking about like lecturing everybody on his specific brand of not even po- just political ideology, but just like worldview and everything. And, and not in like a, this is what I think, but you kind of do your own thing kind of way in the kind of way where it's like, this is righteous. And obviously he's in a room of people who are going to agree with him. So it just makes it seem that much more impact and, uh, righteous i guess so this is not the first time i'm not gonna rip on joaquin phoenix or whatever he's you know he's just like any of these people who do this and take the famous entertainers who take the opportunity to like talk about issues for lack of a better term and the news and well one of the things he said i thought was actually pretty funny (laughs) he said like humans have an egocentric worldview first of all i mean dead on that's definitely true But second of all, yeah, man, of course we, hell yeah, we gotta, go humans, man, we're killing this planet. I mean, no, but, like, literally, we are killing this planet, like, it's a problem, it's gonna self-implode, uh, climate change. (laughs) But still, yeah, we run the planet. I thought it was funny you pointed that out, it's like a, it's like, yeah, but, like, are we supposed to, like, make the frog supreme, or, like, the, the ants, or, like, the plants, the trees, do we just, it's kind of funny to imagine a world where we just pick another organism to just, like, run stuff. (laughs) But no, I get the point he was making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we're, we eat animals and that's bad. I get it. Here's the thing. I'm not going to pass judgment on any of these ideas or whatever. Or any ideas that any famous person wants to spout out there whenever they get on an award stage. But there's two questions to consider with this. When famous, successful people in the entertainment industry decide to share their thoughts on the world with the world. Two questions to consider. First... Can you do that? Is that okay? Well, obviously, yes. Of course, it's fine. That's your right as an American. Go ahead. Say whatever you want. Freedom of speech. Gotta love it. And I I don't think, I I certainly, I don't think anyone has a problem with that. Or if they do, they're just talking out their ass there. Uh, You're definitely allowed to do that. Go ahead and do it. It's your freedom. But the other question is, should you do that? There's, can you do it? Yes, you can. But the other thing, should you do it? Is this a good idea? I'm going to say it's probably not. A good idea for most famous successful wealthy people in the entertainment industry to talk about how they feel about politics or those sorts of things it's probably not a good idea and that's not just to be clear it has nothing to do with moral reasoning i don't care it's it's i mean at least to me personally it's moral i mean it's not like morally abhorrent if you want to talk about whatever you want to talk about you won the award they gave you the time to talk it's your time to talk do whatever you want with it like i said you're totally allowed to do that there's no, it, there's not a moral reason for why uh, I don't think it's a good idea. Although, it's probably worth mentioning. I can't, re- I can't quite imagine that coastal millionaires in the entertainment industry normally have, like, this great grasp on the everyday struggles of average American people. <laughs> but, although, you know, to be fair, I mean, they are famous actors. Are they just supposed to give that up and... You know, live on the street for a while and live in a condo and pay rent and do all, you know, that doesn't make any sense. So, obviously, through no fault of their own, these sorts of people are just kind of living very different lives to most of you and me. And that's just kind of the way it is. But that's, again, I have no moral problem with it. The problem I see is, if you're talking practically, I don't think it works. I don't think it really works for a famous person to get on stage somewhere in a fancy dress or a fancy suit and try to tell people how they should think about things. I just don't think it's effective. I don't think it, it actually changes minds. Which, I mean, I ostensibly, I guess that's the goal. I think, you know, wouldn't, isn't the whole point of like doing that so you can make the world a better place and use your platform and all that. And Although maybe that isn't the point. Maybe the point is uh, they just want to, you know, virtual si- virtue signal, I guess is the term. And just, you know, be super clear that they're, you know, they're not uh, racist, or they're not uh, bigoted, or they're you know they don't hate poor people or anything. They just want to be super clear about that because I mean, hey, you work in Hollywood. I, it probably helps to be super, super clear about that. So if that's what they're doing, then okay, I guess you know you don't really care about if it's actually going to change minds. But if that is what you're worried about, and you actually are trying to make the world a better place with this this platform you've been given by the public, uh, I just don't think it works. Like, does any does anyone like seriously think that? Anyone with I mean I guess let's be honest it's anyone with conservative political values just as an example is gonna see Joaquin Phoenix or anyone else famous on a stage talking about politics and be like, you know I didn't I didn't consider that Joaquin. I think'll uh, I'll do some reading and uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll look into Bernie Sanders campaign and see what he's talking. About. You know what I mean? does anyone do that? Does anyone think that people do that what's what's the goal here Because if that's the goal, you're trying to change minds. I just don't think Talking on a stage like that, uh, at first of all, if if again assuming that's your goal, trying to change minds, are the people whose minds you're trying to change actually watching the end of the Oscars at 10 p.m. on a Sunday, when you know the XFL or anything else is on? Like, are they are those people really watching and paying attention every word? First of all, if I had to guess, probably not. And second of all, is are any If they are watching, are any of those people legitimately going to change the way they think about the world just because this person gave this speech on television? I, I don't think so. I, and I think, you know, I don't know what the right way to go about it is. I'm just saying people, there's obviously, I think this kind of contributes to polarization in this country. And I don't think it's 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 helping in the way that it's trying to help. Now, obviously, if you're famous people, most pe- more people are going to pay attention to what you have to say than the guy working at the gas station or whatever. That's just, you know, facts and figures. Um, so I don't, how do you use that platform effectively? I don't know. But it just seems like, to me, saying things in a room full, of, a large room full of wealthy people who are definitely going to agree with everything you say, it's not really challenging minds out there, to me. Uh, and if that's your goal... Like uh, ostensibly, I guess it must be. It's just it's not successful, so that's why I think it's probably not a great idea. Just because it's not practical, it's not it's not accomplishing the goal, to me. But you know, people are gonna keep doing it because it does, it definitely gets headlines, that definitely gets coverage. But uh, I, you know, I, I'm as someone studying you know political science stuff, media, mass media, I, I'm, I'm things I'm reading, things I'm things I'm learning in these these different avenues. That stuff doesn't really work that effectively, it, you know. When you're, if just because something gets a headline, it, you know, often loses its actual intent and certainly loses its effectiveness. When, you know, like I said, you're trying to change minds, it just becomes about the novelty of like, oh, it's just a breaking story, so it's gonna, it's gonna trend on Twitter for a day, and then uh, it's people are gonna argue about it, people are gonna take it the wrong way, uh, in either direction take it the wrong way. And it's just going to make people argue with each other. And I just, I don't see that as being constructive to go back to another idea. I talked about a couple podcasts ago, constructive thinking, trying to, you know, people obviously have all sorts of differences, but if the, again, if you're trying to change that and make the world a better place. I just, I'm not sure that that's the right way to go about it. So not really sure why people keep doing it, but they're going to keep doing it. And that's just kind of the society we live in. But, uh, those were, those were some thoughts, those were some thoughts that I had, and I'm pretty sure I kept it measured enough where no one's gonna get mad at me, because I, I, what, what did I do, <laughs> like, like, just reiterate, free to do it, do whatever you want, but if you're trying to be effective, and really create some meaningful change, I don't think it's the best way to go about it, I just, I haven't seen the evidence of that, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I have not seen the evidence that that's Really effective for changing minds, hearts, and minds across this great this great nation. But those were some thoughts. So two segments: Brad's bag and some thoughts. I'm coming. The feet are back on the ground, so we're back in serious mode. And um, the pads on the through the pad across the room, so the notes are done. But that's what we got. We crossed the hour mark today. Now we're we're making business out here, baby. Um, Brad's bag. Some thoughts. Two segments. Hit them both in this episode again. Probably not weekly things, but. We'll come back to it and uh there are probably some other segments out there that have yet to be discovered and some other ideas to grow the brand get more creative uh but i had fun on this pod this was a good one uh so hope you enjoy it And uh, hey start sharing it with people man i'm uh i'm, I'm gonna start telemarketing and start cold calling random phone numbers or hiring like a pakistani call center to do it for me or something although again that requires money not a resource i'm privy to but hey let's get this thing popping you like the show let people know that's a bar i'm ending it right there that's a bar all right See you next week, everybody.